This is the Dodcast. I'm your host, Nathaniel Dodson. In today's podcast, I sat down with Chris Haitha, a young architectural student pursuing a degree at Drexel University. I first noticed Chris when I stumbled across the incredible photography he has on his Instagram feed, Haitha.cg, a unique blend of highly edited, foggy, urban photography almost always taken from unique angles, from the sky, or hanging from the side of a helicopter. In our discussion, Chris and I will talk about juggling photography as a hobby with the demands of a full-time student, what his mother thinks about him dangling from a helicopter, his future in the photographic field, and we even steal an idea from another podcast and try it here for the first time, and a whole lot more on this, the first episode of the Dodcast. All right, we are we are rolling, ladies and gentlemen. I've got Chris Haitha with me today, who I uh, invited as a guest on the podcast because I saw your Instagram work. Well, it's not really Instagram work; it's work that you're showing on Instagram. Super, super cool stuff. And not only did I think it was cool architecturally, I guess you could call it architecture photography, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. You're photographing some architecture. But also the post-production side of it. And I'm a sucker for Photoshop and Lightroom and all the post-production that goes into it. So um, can you just start out, tell us a little about yourself, what you do, and um, let's get to know you a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm an architecture student here at Drexel, and I got into photography freshman year. That was, um, that was my way, really, of like capturing uh, this excitement I had just living in, in the city of Philadelphia. Um, so I'm still doing architecture kind of full-time, and photography uh, is a growing hobby that uh, tends to take up all the free time I have left after, after I know, architecture. I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, like you said, it's architectural photography. My, my background in architecture clearly influences uh, my work. Um, and the post-production side, to address that, uh, I, I see Philadelphia in this kind of like fantasy way. I remember when I was a kid, when I would come here, it was just like... I was so overwhelmed by the scale of everything, the amount of people, you know, because I grew up in the suburbs. Uh, so I wanted to capture that um, by making these dramatic scenes, dramatic light, um, all of that. That's super cool. And, and was it something, were you doing photography as a kid? Was it something you've done for a while? Parents introduced you to it or you just picked up a camera one day? No, uh, I, I always sketched as a kid. So I had some some art background. Photography really just like snuck up on me, <laughs> like... I decided to get a camera because I saw these night pictures and I was shooting on my iPhone and I realized I couldn't really uh, take. Well, yeah, that started because I I climbed a building in Center City and I took these pictures on my iPhone and they didn't. Nothing happened. It was just grainy. uh, You couldn't see what it was. All that climb and nothing came of it. Right. Yeah. So I realized I needed to figure out how to take pictures to document um, the views that I was seeing. So I downloaded some long exposure apps. Those didn't really work. Then uh, my brother had like a 10-year-old camera. So I borrowed that and I, I just slowly got more and more into it. Um, and now it's two and a half, three years later. It's, it's pretty insane when you see the difference between a cell phone camera and a camera camera. Mm-hmm. And then even when you go, are you shooting full frame? I just bought a 60 Mark II yesterday. Well, it came in the mail yesterday. Nice. So. so I remember when I got my first full frame camera and I t- 
took it into a studio. I lit up whoever I was shooting that day, photographed them, and then just took the files into my computer, zoomed into 100%, and was like, what in the world? This is crazy. And then I proceeded to take 100% scale screenshots and email them to all my buddies who didn't have full frame cameras. And I'm like, you got to get a full frame camera right now. This thing is insane. Well, what's I, I never really understood full frame as far as resolution because the megapixels is the technical like size of the files, right? But then full frame gives you like yeah, the bigger well, sensor, low light. Yeah, it's just that bigger sensor. I mean, it makes yeah. it makes a huge difference having the bigger sensor, low light capability, sharpness and detail, and then you you attach some good glass to the front of that camera. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. It's a it's a it's magic. And you you got some L series glass, so you wait you wait till you take that puppy out and start taking some photos. It's it's crazy too because you you think you think about the photos you've shot on the camera you have, and you're like, I've gotten some good stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. I've shot some cool stuff. Right, I like what I've shot. But then you zoom into 100% and it's kind of like nobody really sees the 100% crops except the photographer for the most part. You're going to want to look at the 100% crops of a full frame sensor camera photo mm-hmm. because it's every time – the only thing that's been similar to it was the first time I picked up a phase one camera and shot with that where I just kept zooming in. And I'm like, there's her eyelashes. Can I keep going? <laughs> Can I keep going? Can I? And it's like just sharp. And she, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah it was insane to that point when i look back at old photos i i regret not upgrading sooner and that's why i decided to you know spend the money to upgrade because they're once in a lifetime locations and i look back and i realize you know like these shots aren't even like really printable because the iso Mm. is too high or um you know i had to crop to get the composition right and and that that is the worst feeling in the world when you love the shot in the moment, but it wasn't captured well enough to, to yeah. reproduce or to be really happy with it. Now, I I think I've seen on I think it was on your Instagram. You use the hashtag not a drone shot or something like that, or you just or you <laughs> spec- or you yeah, specify. Yeah, yeah. Or I think I think it's you that I follow who does that. Who specifies it, it might look like a drone, but I was flying or whatever you know mm-hmm. whatever it is. How is it like? Do you do you just have access to a lot of the buildings around the city? Is it something where you got access once and you're just kind of filtering the photos out? Do you have regular access to places like what what goes on in terms of getting access to just high places mm-hmm. that you can look down on? Uh, it's a lot of everything. It's a lot of luck. It's a lot of planning. Um, and, and it is sometimes shooting a ton and then filtering. So people think I'm on rooftops every day and Mm. and it's not the case. You're stuck in an architectural boardroom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, stuck at my nine to five job. Right. I I wish I was uh, more often, but a lot of people, uh, think of it really kind of, uh, from a narrow perspective and think, how do you get up? Like, you know, I, they're, they're too scared to even walk in and ask. Um, so they, they DM me and they say, how do you get it to all these places? And I just say, think creatively, think outside the box. Mm. Think of all the people that have access to buildings or could use photos. I, I'm learning now that like real estate people or yep. people who manage apartments, they're always looking for photos. Um, so I have in the past pitched free photos for access to locations, mm. which I'm sure professional photographers probably hate me for this because kind of devalues uh, the craft. But for me, it's worth it. I think 
um, getting access to a unique location yeah. is, is what I love and, and mm. I'm not doing photography professionally, so I don't feel right. Yeah. I mean the market, yeah. w- whatever the market dictates, right. What do they mm-hmm. say? It's, it's worth whatever the market's willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you're, you're, I want, and it's like you said, it's a more of a business stepping stone where I'm going to use this gain access. I'm building a little bit of a portfolio and who knows, who knows where this turns out to go in the future. You're an architectural student now. Who knows? I feel like being able to photograph buildings and architectural stuff in general maybe possibly could end up being a valuable tool to just have in your your back pocket there. Yeah, I've already seen a lot the crossover of photography into architecture. And I think all uh, creative fields in general, they all kind of just mush together um, one and the same. So in architecture, Mm -hmm. we do renderings um, and a lot of people don't think about composition um, and interestingly, our rendering programs have photography lingo, like there's f-stop and there's focal right. length and people who aren't into it have to learn that to mm-hmm. be able to use these programs. Um, but just, yeah, being able to compose a nice image for yeah, architectural yeah, yeah. rendering is key step. I, I want to go back to, to the drone thing. I think uh, there's an interesting argument now as far as drones making the views that I'm trying to get through, you know, building access or helicopters, whatever it may be, kind of devalues that in the same way that Photoshop can can devalue like catching a, a real authentic moment. So you're saying that the the sort of access of drones, anybody can throw a drone up mm-hmm. in the sky, but not anybody can say, I'm going to take my helicopter up today. Exactly. So I, I get really worked up uh, when when it, it's a shot from a helicopter. I paid, <laughs> right. you know, what, 200, 200 bucks. Right, right. And, and I was up in the helicopter seeing this with my own eyes, like reaching my camera out, blowing mm-hmm. in the wind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and then someone says, oh, nice drone shot, which would be, you know, you could imagine some guy like in his car looking down at the tiny little What screen. is the, the pilot? Do they ever like turn around and say, Chris, get your hands back in the cockpit. What are you doing? Well, uh, get that I, camera back in here. If I that gotta, thing falls. <laughs> I, I have to plug um, Sky River Helicopters. Who I saw you mentioned them on your, your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So they, are they um, they're local, I guess. They are. They fly out of Northeast Philly. Okay. And and it was such a casual situation. You would imagine for a helicopter ride, there'd be lots of paperwork, lots of restrictions. Um, so, of course, like the email to set it up, I made sure we could shoot with open doors. I wanted to figure out if I could change lenses mid-flight. You, know, you could imagine a lens could fly out of a yeah. helicopter and hurt someone. Yeah, I would uh, imagine. So, <laughs> so we get there. Um, there was little to no paperwork. We just walk out onto the, the tarmac or the, the runway, whatever. Uh, go to the helicopter. We see that there are doors on it, and we're like, uh, "Not cool." Are. And it, it was pretty. It was pretty cold too. Um, so we asked the pilot like five minutes before takeoff, like, "Hey, can we get these doors out of here?" He was like, "Uh, sure." I mean, it's like twenty degrees, but whatever you say. Um, so he got the doors off, and then we could kind of dangle our legs out, reach out, do whatever we wanted. I've I've never been up uh, on like a photo helicopter thing. I've been in like small Cessna planes and stuff. Uh, but I've had people tell me that you don't realize how terrifying it is when that thing banks and you're on the open side of the doors <laughs> where you yeah. just feel like, yep, there's the ground and I'm just kind of floating up yeah, here. Well, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, open doors and when you bank, it's just the seatbelt holding you right. in. Like you're, you're trust. Like That's the ultimate out. game of trust. And it, even scarier, <laughs> the seatbelt's like a typical like bus seatbelt where you, or plane seatbelt where mm. you pull a, right. a kind of ratchet lever. Yeah, across. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I was just imagining if I, I reach over to change a lens and I 
bump the seatbelt with my elbow and it unclips, I'm going to die. Yeah, we, so, we wouldn't be having this interview right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's funny thinking back, I was so entranced at, at photographing the city and just like, yeah, and to that note, half my pictures are unusable because I didn't mm. think about my settings. Um, so I was shooting uh, at 125 millimeter, uh, like 40th of a second. Whoa. Which, yeah, not yeah, good. A helicopter, or maybe it was, a helicopter moves around a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Lots of blurry shots from that day. Wow. But I was so excited and so, mm. like, I didn't want to miss a single moment of that trip. I took 600 pictures. That's very cool. How long were you up? Uh, it was 45 minutes. Wow. So that's a, that's a lot. That's a high shot to minute ratio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I didn't change my settings because uh, I was too busy shooting. Um, and I remember too, right before we went up, something happened with my focusing. I like changed a setting and I didn't know what I changed and it was different. I don't know what was happening. I wasn't sure if it was autofocusing. That could have been an issue too. Gotcha. Um, so either and it, so I just got some new lenses and new gear. So I'm definitely thinking of booking another. That's super one. cool. That's really yeah, and it's still cold out, so you can still go up for the yeah. Well, the, the hopefully cold, uh, wait till spring. I think yeah. A little bit no, nicer. I got it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So are you part of any like photography clubs? Do they have groups at Drexel because you're you're a student at Drexel right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, not really. I've taken three photography classes here at Drexel. Uh, but primarily self self taught. Yeah. Uh, and, were the photography classes any good or is it kind of, yeah, they were, I actually used them as an excuse to go out and shoot, um, because I, I have my architecture responsibility and you still get credits toward your degree. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's best of both worlds. So I would feel guilty when I go out to take photos when I should be doing work. Right. Um, but this way I could go out and I would take the same photos I would take without the photography class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take them in the same types of locations. I've posted, you know, shots I took for photography class on my Instagram. Um, and it, it just was the best of both worlds That's for me. Cool. So I, I think I learned during the process just because I was out there shooting, but I, I could have learned just as much. That's really neat. Do you, is there like a, is there a specific photo that sticks out to you in your mind that you're like, that's, that's my favorite photo that I've ever taken. Yeah, and for those, for those of you listening, we'll, you, wanna, you might want to check out the YouTube because we'll bring it up on screen now. Yeah. So there's one that uh, kicked off my, my cloud edits. There's some people that know me as the person who photoshops clouds. The cloudy guy. Exactly. Yeah, the cloud edits. Uh, so there's one photo, uh, Yeah, and, and I'll definitely send it to you so you That'd can cool. pull it up. What's in it? Like, what can you describe? Well, it to I'll me? show it to you now, too, all right, so okay. you have some reference. All right, all right. I have to confess, the first time, and I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this, considering the fact that I am a Photoshop guy, the very first moment I saw one of your the cloud edit photos, I was like, Philly doesn't get fog like San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How in the world did this happen? What day was this? Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, I, I don't even think it was right away. Like, I just kind of like, oh, interesting, double tap, like, on to the next thing. And it wasn't until later that I was looking like, oh, this son of a gun. Yeah, this is all edited realize. in there. Okay, I see what's going on. But it still so, looks cool. This is the photo. Ah, I think I originally cool. did it uh, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. And that was a drone, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no, this was uh, the tallest building in Philadelphia, the Comcast Center 2. I was on the 55th floor. Fun story about that shoot. I was sick. I saw it snowed outside. You can barely tell from the picture, but there's there's fresh snow, snow on the ground. Okay. Uh, I was sick as a dog, and I knew I had to get out to get um, these shots. So I was up on the 55th story, 
there was no glass on the building, so you know the cold wind was blowing in. I was coughing and sniffling. I, I was just bundled up in the corner of this construction site, uh, and I was waiting for the right moment when the city lights start to kind of overpower the sunset. So right. I got up there early, so I was sitting there in the cold for 30 minutes or so. Just to make sure you stayed sick a couple more days. Yeah, yeah, really. It didn't help. It didn't help. Um, but yeah, you brought up an interesting point with Photoshop. I am... I have gotten comments just like, oh, it's it's not real or or it's fake. And I, and I always want to be honest about it. I think that's the way to handle it because if someone thinks it's real and they, they buy a print or they uh, support the photo, then they're kind of supporting it for the wrong reasons. Um, I see what you're saying. I, I see the way I feel about that kind of thing. If you're doing journalistic, like editorial photography, I'm not talking like editorial fashion stuff. I'm talking like you're traveling to Zambia to photograph mm-hmm. a famine or something. The people who kind of set up shots, that I view as very disingenuous. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at a photo that you shoot from a helicopter and you say it's not real, well, of course it's not real. You weren't there in the helicopter with me. Like it's only really real when you're looking at it with your own two eyes if you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's simply a digital representation of what I want it to look like. You know, I could I could make it brighter or darker in Photoshop too, but it, somebody somebody wouldn't criticize a photographer for changing the contrast or brightness of a photo. At least most people wouldn't. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I always look at it like it's the kind of thing where you're making artwork that looks really, really cool. And whether or not, you know, my grandmother knows that those clouds were photoshopped in or whether or not she even knows what photoshopping something in means, it doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I see what you're saying, but at the end of the day, if, if, if I'm going to buy something because it looks really cool, let's say you have a poster, I'm like, that is sick. And then it's like, oh, but the clouds were photoshopped in. Nah, it doesn't look as sick anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't change the way it looks. You know what I mean? So that's, but I don't know. I, I Yeah, and... I like that it's still backed up by real experiences and, and like that, that story about being sick on the, the building or mm. the helicopter. You know, these are really tangible things that I'm experiencing. I'm seeing the views with my own eyes. Um, and then I'm, I'm digitally enhancing whatever kind right. of thing I want well, to you, do with it. Right, you're, you're conveying your experience in a 2D medium. Mm-hmm. Like inherently, it's never you can't convey the smell, the feel of the cold, the fact that you were mm-hmm. sick during the one photo, or the wind just cutting you to pieces in the helicopter. Right? Um, I've I've always thought that's kind of interesting, kind of the bad rap that retouching gets because you know if you're you could be around somebody all day photographing them like at a wedding for 10 12 hours and not realize there's a big scar like beside their eye or on their cheek and you only see it when you get home and look at the pictures mm-hmm. so now the question is do i retouch and get rid of the scar because the person as i remember them was just this this super good looking dude or this beautiful woman do i do i just retouch and get rid of that stuff and say well this is how i remember them or do you say no I want this to be as factually accurate as possible. Now, with a wedding, what I would do is let the client choose, essentially. Mm-hmm. But if I was just doing personal work myself, I think I would retouch the photos as I remember them. I think it was Scott Kelby who I heard telling a story. He was in, like, Tuscany, Italy or something, and he shot a bunch of photos. And it was the most beautiful place he'd ever seen or something, you know. And it wasn't until he got home that he realized there was power lines, like, all in the foreground that he just – didn't even notice at the time or something. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you Photoshop them out and remember this super beautiful place that you saw? Or are you like, nope, that was actually the place. That's how I want to remember it. You know, it's, it's photography, right? We're not. Yeah. Well, I think that when it's 
uh, a client or a wedding shoot or portrait photography, it gets a lot more complex because for that person, that scar is a big part mm-hmm. of who they are. I'm sure, you know, you can't really well, ignore. Yeah, of course. Well, in that case, it's up to them. Like of you course, say the word, if you want it gone, it's gone. If you want to mm-hmm. keep it, cause I've had people go both ways, like take this away or no, like you said, that's a part of me. Mm-hmm. That's, it's one of the reasons why I don't do portrait photography as much. <laughs> I, I am terrified of the fact that you know, you have the responsibility of representing this other person. So I've done some some portraits, mm. and sometimes you know the the model will come back to me and say, like I look terrible because I all I'm thinking about is uh, the picture, the composition, the lighting, and not like what angle. We should is say the- you look terrible. I know. <laughs> Tell me something new. What about the pictures? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not how you get jobs. Yeah. It's not the best way to handle. Right? It's not the best way to handle it. Oh man! Um, but I find that with buildings, uh, people aren't as critical. It's the same thing with drawing. I, I always draw architecture and buildings because there's no right and there's no wrong. Well, and it's actual factual what's there. Like that straight line on the edge of the building. That's just what's there. Yeah, so that's what comes yeah. through in the picture. You, a building can't make a weird facial expression or catch mm-hmm. it at a bad angle. It's just kind of, no, that's the left side of the building. Well, it, it can, it I think you can catch a bad angle and, and you could make the city just look terrible. I think it has parallels to portrait photography there, but yeah, the city is you're insensitive probably right. Yeah, girl, you are. You know? yeah, <laughs> the city's not going to be like, oh, I look so, no. It's, right. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you can definitely yeah. capture the bad side of anything. I think you're right about that. That's mm-hmm. very cool, man. So when it came to, did the Photoshop stuff come in with the photography, like just one and one, or was it, you started taking pictures and realized, how do we retouch these things? I'm not just using Google PicMonkey mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't, I don't know, whatever apps are out there. Yeah. Well, I've always used Photoshop. Uh, it started out. At Even the very before first, photography. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it started out the very first time I opened it was I did a sketch and my art teacher and I don't know, junior year of high school said, oh, you should try to add texture, add, add color, whatever Very in Photoshop. Cool. So, you know, they were terrible. They were really bad. Bevelin uh, and Boss. Yeah, but in, in architecture school, I started using photography, I mean, sorry, Photoshop a lot more. And so I had these skills and I saw on Instagram all this incredible stuff you could be doing when you mix Photoshop mm-hmm. and uh, photography as opposed to architectural things. So that's what led me to it. I already had the skill. Why not implement it? Um, and it goes back to uh, what I said before about this like fantasy view of Philadelphia. Right. I just get so excited with the skyline. And it's so, I mean, now that I've lived here for a while, I'm losing some of that mystery, which I'm really, really sad about. <laughs> Getting jaded. Um, yeah. But I always remember back to like the first time seeing the skyline driving in, it would just like fill me with this excitement. So I feel like these uh, fantasy, Photoshop, cloudy edits are kind of getting at that um, kind of kid's view of what this city is. That's really is. cool. You got to drive to some other cities because it's the same kind of feeling, driving to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, whoa, there's that building and there's that building. That's cool. Um, so so you, you talked for a moment about you had this fantasy idea of what Philly was and that, that feeling that it conjured up and whatnot. It, it, did you, was it just, oh, I'm going to add, adding clouds kind of makes it fantasy or did you see somebody or did you see a particular photo? Like, where was the moment that it was like, that's kind of a cool idea. I'm just going to flood fog into the city. Or was it just a matter of, this is like such a dreamy thing that I want to do and clouds and fog and, you know, I'm going to rub Vaseline on my, the end of my lens and just go full. So, (laughs) 
So yeah, does that count as not photoshopped real image? Yeah, even if the well, right. Looks like exactly, black. exactly. So I think it came from seeing San Francisco pictures. Seeing it was actually, I think I might be able to pinpoint the image. Uh, I need to check the dates. I, I don't know if this is true, but there's one uh, by a guy on Instagram. Um, his handles Andrew Optics. He's a San Francisco photographer, and he has this shot of the Golden Gate Bridge like rising out of the fog and it's just incredible and the feeling it evokes and everything about it was just like so magical to me. And I know like, of course I would love to capture these things for real, but you know, easier said than done. But you kind of add that magical element by being like, yeah. So despite the fact that fog doesn't roll in off the Pacific through the, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever doesn't flood through the city like San Francisco, here's what Philly would look like. Maybe if that did happen, and, yeah, yeah. And hey, oh, by the way, what if Miami looked that way and Chicago and New York City? And you could really go down a list of every city in the United States and start doing something like that. So I think I just I, I, to me, it's just a really cool idea. And it was something that I don't follow everybody on Instagram. You know what I mean? But when I saw your stuff, I was like, all right, OK, OK, mm-hmm. we're cooking with fire here. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, and I'm curious why you said earlier, right, you didn't think it was Photoshop initially. And then as you kept scrolling, you realized which that's that's one thing I feel like. Uh, if you look through my Instagram, it does become obvious. I know, I know exactly. I well, it. and I know exactly where the moment it was that it flipped. There was a picture that you did where I think you went backward on the clarity slider and tried to add a little glowiness to it. And I'm like, Photoshop, Lightroom, that's what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. it I, I can. It, they they don't look too overprocessed. There's two photos in particular that stick out in my mind that I remember looking at and being like, okay. I, I can 100%. Like I would have seen that right off the bat if I had seen that. But the bulk of the images, if you're not – if you're just looking at them in passing and not thinking, oh, well, these clouds are obviously photoshopped mm-hmm. in, um, you wouldn't – I feel like most people would be like, whoa, that is just a crazy yeah. shot. I feel well, like that looks so cool. I'm wondering for you – that it made it less interesting when you knew it was Photoshop because you're no, a guy who's no, no. I actually made me more interested. Yeah, because then I, I started looking at. Then I started looking the, at. All right, there's how he's like, making the buildings fade through the clouds. Oh, look, the mm-hmm. bottom of Logan one. He just used a mask at the bottom of that, mm-hmm. and it's just painted right away. When really it should be going through the clouds a little bit more. So I started noticing some things like that. But it's not at all a detriment to what you're doing. I just mm-hmm. just you know kind of like now I kind of know what I'm looking at. But it still is you know. I mean, I don't, I'm not angry when I see one pass by on my Instagram feed. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, I'm happy to hear. <laughs> I don't want to anger anyone on it. If you get angry because of my photos, unfollow me. Have you ever been kicked out of a location that you're trying to photograph? Oh, yeah. Like All climb up somewhere? Or yeah. Ever been arrested? No. <laughs> no, luckily. Uh, there was one time uh, I was on the top of a hotel, which I had seen some other pictures up there. So I figured, oh, yeah, I can go up there. Why not? So it's just a matter of you went to the lobby took the elevator up. Yeah, it's really nothing illegal. Like I took the elevator up and then went to the top of the stairs and there was an unmarked door. It didn't say authorized personnel. It didn't say this and that. Uh, So I opened the door. Then there was a ladder and a hatch. (laughs) So there's no sign. So it's like... Everybody comes through this way. Exactly. I don't know. I'm looking for a bathroom. I'm looking... Take take the ladder and hatch. Yeah. So, uh, and I I went up there with a friend of mine and we, we came... And maybe two hours, one hour and a half before sunrise or sunset. Sorry, so we wanted to wait for sunset. So we were up there, kind of jumping around, dangling, and uh, <laughs> doing stuff it, that, no, that would make the hotel staff just thrilled to have. Yeah, it wasn't uh, really dangerous stuff. There was like uh, there's like the building edge, and then a screen that's only five ten 
feet off the ground. So we were like sitting up on that. So it wasn't, okay. it wasn't super risky, uh, but because Sounds it's risky to me, it's a screen, well, five, 10 foot drop. It's, it's whatever, <laughs> uh, because the screen is above the roof. Uh, people saw us up there and called the hotel and said uh, like, Hey, there are people up there. So there, there's okay, always a concern of people being on roofs to like jump off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, and just one the thing I'm always conscious of insurance. I'm sure hotel insurance. Is yeah. Not yeah. Out. So after that, the hotel security came up and they asked, are you residents here? He said, no. Uh, are you, or do you have permission to be up here photographing? And we're like, uh, no, but, uh, we didn't see anything. The that hatch said was couldn't. open. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they were pretty okay. I mean, of course they said you need to leave, whatever. Oh, but they were uh, pretty cool with you overall though. Yeah. I think it's a lot about, uh, how you act towards them. You know, if you're respectful and if you're understanding of the fact that like, you know, this could be a liability issue or you just acknowledge the fact that even though it wasn't really illegal, I, I, you know, I'm in the wrong, I'll go, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So, so it, it was pretty, uh, pretty okay. But now that I'm working full time and I'm trying to make the photography, I do do more uh, professional and being able to, work for clients and work for buildings or apartment managers. I have veered away from that side of things. Uh, and after that incident, I just felt a little bit uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Um, so, so I play it pretty safe nowadays. Gotcha. Remember that's, we just talked about before. You don't want to play it safe. You gotta, you gotta find the hatch in the yeah, ladder again. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Complex. Um, the, uh, speaking of getting clients and commercial work and stuff, what do you, uh, do you, have you reached out to agencies about representation or are you just, I'm going to put out a lot of stuff on Instagram and my blog and my website and just let that be out there continually permeating. Do you reach out to anybody? Do you scour LinkedIn for potential customers? How do you, what do you do in terms well, of, yeah, to preface this photography is still just right. a hobby and hobby I want to keep it a hobby. I feel like once it's, professional, you stop enjoying it as much. And, you know, I have my main job. I don't, I don't need this to be a professional thing. I want it to be fun. So usually it's actually just random business inquiries on Instagram. That's turned into uh, something really fun and unexpected. When I started photography and then Instagram, I never had any expectations of growing it. And it's just happened naturally. And then along with that, exposure is people wanting to work with you. So I love these, these random DMS of like, Oh, we're having a artist showcase and we want you to be involved or we're making this Philly magazine and and we'd love to have you as a featured artist. So a variety of things. And from that I've worked with clothing companies, actually only one, and I wasn't happy with it. It, It's just so unnatural for me. It's not like, so you were photographing for the clothing company? Yeah, yeah. So I was taking pictures of uh, a model, a guy who's who's modeling the clothing. And and that's not what Were I do. Were you putting clouds in around his feet or anything? Yeah, I should have. I think that would have <laughs> been You just got to go the full, right. full style. Um, so that and portrait photography, I've done a little bit, I think only two paid photo shoots. Right. And I, I was really uninterested in it because I, you know, the reason I do photography is because of my feelings towards the city. Like it really... Uh, has this energy that inspires me to go out and create. Whereas taking pictures of people, uh, you know, I know a lot of portrait photographers are really connected to to like other humans and portrait photography. You're trying to capture these emotions. Um, and I understand that totally, but it's just not what inspires me. Got it. Okay. 
Huh. That's pretty cool. So it's is it something where you you obviously want it to continue being a hobby? You're you don't see yourself slowing down. Well, maybe slowing down a little bit as work and, and things take off. But if given the opportunity to hop into a helicopter again and go shoot the city, you would. Yeah. So right now, the professional work I want to be doing is the stuff that like actively facilitates uh, my goal and my mission. So working with a helicopter company, I'm I have a deal with a company I went with where it's just if I refer enough people, I'll be able to have a free ride, which I don't know if I'll ever get to that referral count. Um, and that's the company that you plug. Yeah. On. Yeah. So, so I'll probably just pay to go again because I enjoyed it so much. Well, unless enough people watching this can, you know, yeah, go get, yeah. Go Sky get some helicopter, help me out. Sky go get some helicopter rides. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's working with, helicopter companies doing like a promotional story for window washers, uh, you know, anything that involves the city high up or, or just Philadelphia in general. Get me into a high place and you've got me. Exactly. And, and it's (laughs) like, I'm willing to work for free to help me get into those positions. Now I've, I've been told a lot that offering your services for free actually might hurt your chances of getting a big job because you come off as less professional. I'm wondering how you you feel about that. It's, I mean, I I think I heard Chase Jarvis put it this way: I've never had a $500 client turn into a $50,000 client. So the same could be applied to free, right? Like in all likelihood, when you give somebody a little little tasty taste for free, usually they take the little taste and they move on to find their next taste. Mm-hmm. That's what I found. However, when I first started photography, all I did was free shoots. I did like two or three hundred free portrait shoots. Yeah. And from that, I probably ended up getting almost $100,000 in work over the course of two years, mm-hmm. right? And it was all, you know, all that directly from the free stuff. And then there was additional stuff that came in through my website where people saw blog posts or I'd reached out to agencies and things like that and just said, hey, here's my work. You know, if you have a job that comes across that looks like it fits the style of stuff I do, I'd love to at least be in the running to, you know, place a bid for the job or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one of these photographers that's like, ah, never work for free. You devalue yourself. I look at it like a tool. Don't work for free when it's a job you should be getting paid for. That's the way I look at it. If you're just getting started, do as much free photography as you want. And if, if a professional is so threatened by that, as a professional, your work should be so far and away better than this free photographer stuff that it shouldn't even be a threat. And somebody whose budget for photography is zero, they're never going to pay you $15,000 a day to come out and shoot their stuff anyway. So you're not – are you really missing out on, on a product? I think where the argument can be made is – Let's say you have a startup that pays nothing for photography. They actually get some decent stuff and then it's decent but it's not like super high-level professional and their business takes off and it becomes kind of, oh, look, such and such a company's photos were only this good. So why do we need to pay and hire you to do these super great photos? But again, I think that's another case of the market choosing what it wants to value. And as a photographer, maybe it's time to find a way to innovate and you can't just go and charge fifteen grand a day for the blasé albeit technically perfect and amazing photos, you need to do something to innovate. You know, people aren't going to hire, people aren't going to hire you for something that kind of anybody can go out and do. So if you have some kind of unique something or you deliver something a little extra or your customer service experience is so over the moon, 
like I, I, I talked to and uh, have, have listened to some talks with and actually talked to uh, photographer Matthew Jordan Smith. He's a fashion photographer out in L.A. He like worked with Tyra Banks before she was ever big. He's photographed Michael Jordan. Like the, his, the, his resume is insane. He's, he's photographed some super incredible people. And one of the things he talked to me about was just the way he treats people when they come into his studio and, and, and what he does to make them feel at home. And he told me this story about Oprah. Uh, where she she showed up for a photo shoot one day, right, just casually. Oprah shows up at your studio, right? Um, but she's showing up. He's photographing for the cover, I think, of her book at the time. And she brought with her two, two little dogs, two little dogs with her. And they come running into the studio, and he just like randomly with a Polaroid or something snaps a photo of these dogs bounding across the studio, the light coming in behind him, the whole bit, whatever. Just shoots this photo of these dogs. And later on, after the shoot's over, I don't know if it was days or weeks or maybe months later or whatever, he just sent a copy of this photo to Oprah with a little note. Hey, I'm thinking about our shoot. We had such a great time. I got this cool photo of your two dogs. You seem really connected to them, whatever. I don't know. I'm, a lot of this is me paraphrasing. Um, I just wanted you to have this photo, right? Never heard back from her. Nothing. Ten years or something like that later, I think this was the early 90s. Then in the late 90s, early 2000s, her dogs died. Then she reached out to him and said, hey, um, I just wanted to send you a little thank you note. That photo you sent me years ago, those dogs, it's been on my nightstand this whole time. And those dogs just died. And I just wanted to tell you that photo meant a lot to me. Like that's an insanely powerful story. But that's where a photographer – as a photographer, who's Oprah going to think of first when she thinks of a photographer? Boom, I got my guy. You know. So what are you doing as a photographer to make yourself stick in the minds of a client. And I think, oh, by the way, you interested in becoming an architect. What are you doing to stick in the minds of your potential clients? You know what I'm saying? And it's that that's the kind of stuff I ask myself. Well, are you, you, you thinking about a job you did three months ago and have you reached out to the client, just done something like a simple follow-up? Hey, just thinking about the shoot. It was really fun. I saw this news article that I thought you might be interested in based on that conversation we had at the shoot, right? Or I was at the gift shop in, uh, you know, getting ready to climb Machu Picchu. There was this thing there. I just bought it. I'm mailing it off to you. I think you'll really enjoy it. You know, I hope you love it. You know, whatever. Just stuff like that. Like it's cost you 20 bucks, but it might get you another $10,000 in work. Or even if it doesn't, it's just you're just you're beginning to establish a way of dealing with your clients that is who else does that? Something yeah, it's that more. It's do. something extra that that justifies the amount of money you might be charging them. And my personal stance on it now is, if I'm having fun, you know, because this is just about like personal development and enjoyment and being creative. Uh, you know, I'll accept payment or I'll work for free. I'll do whatever if I'm put in a in a place or given an opportunity that I enjoy. It's like. You know, I'm doing this because I love it, not because of anything you're doing, um, you know, not because of the money. Not because and I think there's that. a level of humility, too, because you're not like my photos. <laughs> they're going to change the way everybody thinks about photography. So the fact that I'm giving these photos away for free. And by the way, you don't give your photos away for free. You sell prints, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like everything is just being done for free. There's you know, are you allowed to open up Photoshop as a painter and paint something for free because you don't have a client? You know what I mean? Uh, but but later on, you'll sell the work. There's a lot of free personal work that goes on. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and when it comes to when it comes to a job that you're going to do for free, I think the importance as a photographer like yourself, I think the importance is maintaining absolute control. So, yes, I'll do this for you for free. But I have the say on everything. I own the copyright to the images. I can do whatever I want with them whenever I want to do it with them. Um, And I get to have an active hand in whether it's styling or creative direction or whatever it may be, right, in terms of the shoot. So you're getting something out of it as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it's 
yeah, I'm doing the shoot for free, but I'm, I'm getting everything I want out of it as well. Yeah, 100%. And it's about building a portfolio and, and the images I can take, I can share them on Instagram. I can build my presence there. Um, and yeah, like I said, the portfolio, if I can now mention that I did work for, you know, so-and-so, I can pitch that to another, you know, apartment marketing agency, uh, which just gives credibility. And they don't need to know whether I got paid or not for that right. shoot. A hundred percent. And and whether you get paid or not doesn't change the experience you gain because there's just things. doesn't matter how many textbooks you read, right? There's just things by getting up and doing it every day. You gain experiences that you just wouldn't have. You, you immediately know, all right, baseline when I'm looking outside right now, 120, 125th of a second, ISO 100 at like F5, 6 isn't going to get me a good exposure, right? And But that kind of thing, you're never going to know that, right, if you don't get out and shoot. And if you're, if you, if you're waiting for a client and you're not getting out, now you probably should be getting out and just shooting personally regardless. But let's say you're not. Take the free job or, or, or better yet, be the one who goes and offers the free work. That's how forward I would be in terms of, oh, that, that pizzeria down the street, their menu photos are trash. I want to get into food photography. All right, find not just one pizzeria, find 30 pizzerias within 100 miles of you and offer them all free photos and see, you know, not all of them will take it, but maybe eight of them will. And there you go. You started building a portfolio and, and you've started establishing a relationship with eight clients who down the road might hire you. Say, oh, and by the way, my day rate's 880 bucks. If you want me to come back and do anything else, I'm more than happy to do it. 880 bucks for an eight hour day and I'll shoot whatever you need. Right. Just be open. Like that's all. You know, and so some companies that maybe aren't managed that well, they don't have the budget to do it. But what about the two pizzeria owners that have a quarter million bucks in their business account? 800 bucks a day. They're like, all right. Yeah. No even, even just talking about professional photography is just so uninteresting to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I'm, give me a helicopter. Really, I just well, want to fly. I have been really <laughs> actively opposed to and like actively turning people down on things that – I could get paid for, but I'm just not interested in deadlines, pressure, the whole bit. Yeah, all of it. I just want to have fun and and create and challenge myself and and express myself. I, I've always actually <laughs> had kind of an issue with like the term "express yourself." Um, it's something I always think about, and maybe I'm starting to understand. Like I can see how kind of channeling feelings of the city into photography, like. But it's it's such a vague kind of idea expressing mm-hmm. it. I don't know. Kind of know any... it when you see it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm honestly, I'm kind of the same way, right? I'm, I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm pretty utilitarian about a lot of the stuff that I do, where there's got to be a good reason behind it. Um, however, some of the best learning experiences are when you just go and do something where it's like, there's no immediate benefit for me other than, yeah, it's a good time, right? I'm climbing this building. We're going to go have a blast and, and, and it'll be, it'll be a good time. That's fine. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that would look at that, like that's art in its purest, most untainted form, right? The fact that you just do it because you love it. Um, can you, can you talk to me a little bit about like, what are some scary experiences you've had? Uh, you know, I mean, if you're around the edges of buildings, I've done photo shoots on the top of buildings sometimes, and I'm, there's a small part of me. I, like, I'm not worried about myself going over the edge, but I'm worried about a gust of wind coming and taking a light stand and boom, 20 stories down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Somebody probably just died, and that one's on me. Yeah, it's never, It's never happened, that's but, scary. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something I think about. So for me, I've never really been scared of heights uh, you know, and I still am not, I feel like, uh, you can have control over the situation to some extent, if you're confident that like the building's not going to crumble underneath you or, 
uh, walls, you know, the wind is kind of scary sometimes because that's something you don't have control over. But I always think like when you're sitting kind of on a ledge, we all know how to sit. You know, when's the last time you were sitting and you just fell? Like it, it doesn't. So it's really a mental thing of being scared of it. And, you know, if you do fall, you might die. Um, but people don't fall when they're just sitting. Um, so thinking about it that way kind of eases the nerves. But I'm more worried about other people being involved uh, because then it's out of your control. So whether that's like getting mugged, getting robbed and losing all your camera gear. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm scared of that. Or, uh, yeah, just being in bad situations. I used to go to a lot of abandoned locations in Philly, and I've had a couple experiences running into some shady people, uh, which luckily turned out okay. You know, I'm still here. The camera gear is still here. Uh, everything's fine. But yeah, I'm more worried about that. You know, what the, does your mom think about? It? Is she cool with it, or no. is she like? Chris, I just I tell Chris, her, don't tell ever her show me that out. picture again. That sounds exactly <laughs> like my mother. Actually, <laughs> she's not a fan. Um, but yeah, I just say it's Photoshop. That person wasn't actually on the edge. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Right. Um, gotcha. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so the, the 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 plan is just definitely pursue the architecture. Keep photography as a, a side hobby type thing. Um, and and just kind of keep pressing forward with it? No, I would say I want to merge the two. Um, there's a whole field or whole side of architecture called architectural visualization that's all about um, just expressive, uh, evocative images of architecture. So it's basically a firm designs a building and then they send their model out to this other company and they create the visuals so they're all about the light they're all about the story they're all about the composition all it's all photography um and the difference is they're creating the environment um well you know the firm creates the environment and then they are creating the ambiance so i I actually do like the extra step on top of photography you know i sometimes have trouble with the fact that you're just capturing what already exists i know there's definitely art in that in in composition and timing and everything uh, but doing it for architecture, like you're creating something, you're creating an environment and a mood and a tone of an image uh, that didn't exist before for the purpose of of showing those ideas to a client. So those are kind of like when you see such and such a team is building a stadium and you see that like space age looking render. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, they're all about just like looking top, top of the line, beautiful imagery um, so I'm really interested in that, and I think it really is a hybrid between these these two things in my life. How right is now. that done? Is that something where you use AutoCAD and you then texture things, or is texturing done in something like AutoCAD? I don't. I'm very. Yeah. I'm, I'm stepping way out of where I'm where <laughs> well, I'm normally yeah, living. Technically, I don't know. I don't know who's interested in this stuff, but well, somebody uh, maybe. Yeah, we use um, Rhino for architecture. Okay. It's I've a 3D Rhino. model. Yep, I yeah. Know that okay. Is. Uh, and Revit as well. Okay. And then you render those in V-Ray or Revit has a built-in kind of rendering software. And then you bring it into Photoshop and it's it's the same thing as adding clouds. You know, you have this base. Well, it's, it's more than that because you have a base rendering that just looks like this generic, uh, really usually bad, lifeless, dull image that you're working with. And then you bring that out. It needs to have some clouds added to it. Exactly. That's, that's <laughs> all there is to it. Really. Well, it's kind of interesting though, that when you, a moment ago, when you said like, I'm looking at the photos and yeah, I know I'm capturing what's actually there, 
but I'm looking to add more. Well, there you go. That kind of explains then the mindset, even unconsciously maybe, right? Where you're looking at it saying, yeah, what this is missing when my mind's eye sees it is this rolling cloud front. Yeah, well, I just want to add something more. I want to be creative. Um, So, of course, taking pictures of these buildings, I didn't design them. I think the credit, a lot of the credit for these pictures goes to the architects of the buildings, Um, like Liberty One and Two in Philadelphia. I can't get enough of those buildings. They're just, they're beautiful. And and the way that the light catches on them and and how sunset, uh, the light reflects in the buildings, that's all because of the architects. They made conscious decisions to create these incredible moments and then I took a picture of it, big whoop. It's like, no, these guys built these, you know, 60-story, uh, well, I think Liberty One's 57. Uh, I don't know. They, so they built these buildings. Like, I think a lot more credit goes to them. So I want to add whatever I can to uh, to enhance it and add something of my own rather than kind of, it feels like plagiarizing a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, what, what do they say? Good artists copy, great artists steal. Oh, of course. So steal away. Of course. So one of the things that I want to do here on the podcast is take a little bit of scoping out, scoping out some Instagram stuff. Okay. And I'm straight up stealing this idea from the Hot Ones podcast. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I love that one, actually. But I hate how they bring the laptop into screen. So I thought I could print Mm -hmm. out screenshots and just ask you about what was going on in some of these photos and just tell me a little bit. So I got this photo here. For those of you just listening to the audio version, it looks like... Like the young traveling Wilburys or something, street performing in Cologne, Germany. Tell me what's yeah. going on there. What's no, the story behind that photo? This. this is great. <laughs> what's the story behind this so, picture? So, like I mentioned, my my family is musical. So, growing up, we had a family band because my uh, mother and father always performed at you know farmers markets or hotels or whatever. They always had gigs, and as we were growing up, you know, they needed a bass player. They needed someone on drums. Uh, so we all kind of took these these roles, and that led us to this, which uh, the family band, we called it the Height of Fam Band, right? Okay. Really great. <laughs> uh, we, we toured around Europe uh, in association with Atlantic Bridge, um, which is this, this outreach program. Basically, uh, my parents knew them from back in the day. They had a band. Um, so we were invited to come out, and for one week we were playing uh, for this like international youth conference uh, with kids from all over the world. We were like the house band, and then the other week we were traveling around Europe, just staying in were, hostels or with quick interruption. People. Yeah, were your parents in this group, or was it just the four kids? Yeah, yeah, my parents were there. Oh, okay, as well. so it was the six of you. That's yeah, so, cool. so this was the week when we were out traveling, uh, and and we were in front of the. Cologne Cathedral, what's that? Cathedral oh, the Colner Dome, I think it's called, right? I just this massive cathedral. Right. I know, I know what you're talking and, about. It's huge. Yeah, so we were street performing, and there were crowds gathering, and <laughs> I, I really love this picture, and I love like the is communication. That your, is that the Cajon? Yeah, that's the co- <laughs> yeah. So that's my brother on the left, and uh, my sister on the right, and we were just having a great time. What's it like checking that thing in baggage? Uh, I, I don't know. It's big, it, right? Yeah, it's I don't case? know if we had a case. I think it, we might have brought it on the plane. On. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a carry-on. <laughs> when things I get boring, nine-hour flight over to yeah. Germany, you just oh, start beating. Away. I like, I like nice how you. Too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a few of them. We got, okay. we got a bunch of them printed out. Um, I like how you specifically put that you made fifty-five euros. <laughs> like, yeah, even made some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, so I got a couple times. more here. So oh, this, oh, I'm sorry. assuming. I want, oh, okay. I want to touch finish. Finish. This is way before photography. You can see like the crappy Instagram. Oh, I noticed that. The vignettes. It's your very first image on Instagram. That's part of 
Coast. Not That's good. Not good. Yeah. yeah, I figured. Yeah. I figured that. Yeah. So this this is the Sky River helicopters again. Book a flight if you guys book enough flights. Uh, Chris oh, gets yes. a free flight. So yes. book some flights with them. Just a sick. I thought it was like the end credits for like Doom Four or something when I first saw it. It's like very post apocalyptic looking, but it also reminds me of Los Angeles. It looks like a Los Angeles sunset. It it's does. Such it a cool picture. Does. So one just little note about this picture, uh, it, I think like a week ago, it was featured on um, Moodygrams, which <laughs> it's funny, but it's like the mecca of Instagram photographers, right? I don't know if you're familiar with <laughs> it. It's, yeah, don't they have like 400,000 followers no, they have at a million the moment? Right oh, now. really? Yeah, wow. they just hit okay. a million. I, I think believe. I must have started following them when they had that much. Yeah, so, um, so it's, they're just a feature account and they repost other uh, photographers. So I've had three photos there. And and they, all my photos that get featured there just have a special place in my heart, you know. Just because there's, I think on their Instagram it has like thirty thousand likes or wow. so, just a lot more engagement. So it's awesome to see. Still, you get, you get a healthy num- amount of engagement on your account, though. You're getting in the thousands. I, right? I try my best, I, yeah. but the feature accounts help. Anyway, about the picture. Um, That's the cold helicopter ride. Yeah, so this was flying back. This was after the forty five minutes. Um, we were heading back to the airport. And we're, you, you go slow around the city for photography, but when we were just booking it back, we were, we were going like 100 miles an hour at least. So this picture, I was leaning out and, and reaching my camera all the way out. I had my neck strap like wrapped around my arm. Uh, and I don't know how this turned out crisp. I mean, it's, it's shot on a 70D, so not full frame, not good low light performance. So it's... You know, you can see the eyes. Is this your twenty four one hundred five? You were shooting as well. I think uh, I think it was a ten to eighteen 10 wide 18. angle. Okay, um, on the seventy D. But yeah, I don't know how it's as good as it is because this is post sunset. Sun is down. My hand was was shaking back and forth. You hey, know, man, in the wind. It's not so. the camera that makes the picture; it's the photographer. That's how it's good. Yeah, so really it's happy with how nice. this one turned it's out. It's very though. nice. I was looking at this. I was confused. I didn't. I've never remembered seeing this in Philadelphia. What part of Philly is that? So. <laughs> This actually was, uh, yeah, are you saying it? Uh, yeah, I don't know how you, you missed I'm it. I'm messing I don't with know you. How you um, so this was also taken on the helicopter ride. It's the inter- or the interchange on I-95 okay. in northeast Philly. So I shot that shot looking just down on it. It was a normal shot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the other shot, it's a composite, obviously. I figured. The other shot is taken from the Spring Garden Bridge. Okay. Um, yep. I know so, where that is. Yeah, so you're right above the Right down the, the street from where you are. And this shot I took last year, I think. And basically, I was just flipping through my Lightroom catalog. I saw this shot. I saw this shot and like something clicked and I put them together. Yeah, because I thought it was very cool the way you joined them. And then, of course, you have to have the clouds come right across the middle so we can't quite see how you drew the road together. But it just works. It works, dude. It's really, it's cool. My favorite part about this image, too, is these orange strips. Yeah. How they mimic the other orange strips of the the interchange. And that was totally just like almost by accident. It, it was just a happy, happy accident. And then in editing, I, I intentionally made these like the same color as this and I brought them right. out and I, of course, I yeah, emphasize yeah. that, but it's, yeah, really, it's sick. Really and by, and like I said, just to reemphasize for those of you watching the YouTube version of this, you're seeing these photos appear on screen here. For those of you watching the audio, huh, boy, are you missing out? Mm-hmm. This is really cool stuff. Um, I'm interested in this photo here, uh, mainly because it, uh, I love the cinematic nature of the light. 
And I always find that when somebody shoots an object or a person shadow side toward the camera, it always renders a really cinematic look. So that, that side of one liberty, and this is just a, just a really starkly lit shot of a small portion of the Philly skyline that we're looking at here. Um, what was this? I'm assuming this had to have been either sunset, sunrise, you shot this, but what was your thinking behind the post-production side of it? Because it's not, it's not necessarily overly colorful, but there's a lot of contrast. Like the range between your darkest shadows and your highlights is very broad. Mm-hmm. So if I, I hardly even remember what the raw file of this looked like, but usually for cases like this, I'll see this light. I mean, I can tell I shot it at sunset. Um, and I believe this was from Comcast 2. Okay. Uh, so I'll see the light. Wait, from the new Comcast 2 from and the, the new, new one. Com- okay. Correct. Yeah, okay. and uh, I actually had a job there that was a total, totally legal situation. <laughs> I was working for a media company um, for one of the contractors there. So I saw the light reflecting, and then in Photoshop and in Lightroom, I just made it more dramatic. I bumped up the contrast. I darkened up this side and, and added. I, I think the sky here is a total composite. That okay. day it was it was just like a blank blase. Sky. Yeah, 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 no yeah, good. You can see the clouds in the background, of course. But <laughs> always, always yeah, have to have the clouds, and it, they're less of a part of this image. But the reason, and and actually, I should explain the reason for like my love of clouds and fogs. One of the reasons that is, um, it simplifies composition. So here in the background, there was this busy texture to the left of of little tiny lights uh, on the buildings, which can be cool. But by adding that layer of clouds, I drew more focus to the light. Yeah, it almost pulls it off into a world of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. That's pretty. That's pretty sick. That's that's. I, I just love. I love the light, the way it falls in that photo. And I'm and you know, location light is my thing. When I walk by a, a place and I see the light falling the right way, I'm just like, oh, got to take a picture. I have to take a picture. Like I have to take a picture. Yeah, and I've never done artificial lighting. Uh, yeah, but well, it's gonna be hard to light up a skyscraper. Oh, that's yeah, gonna, yeah, that's probably that's why gonna, I have it. It's gonna right? take a big rig of lights. <laughs> yeah, there there are cases I think I could use it where you have a subject in the image and then you use like a little loom cube or something yeah. to uh, silhouette them or, or whatever it is. Or but light up one room on the it. side of the building and yeah, darken everything yeah, else. Yeah, be a big flash. Have a CEO. Well, no, you just light up from the inside. If you have access to one Liberty, you light a, you light one single office <laughs> oh from goodness. the inside and then in post-production right, darken the rest of the building. Right that would <laughs> to, be sick. No, to do that real photo, though, that would be millions of dollars of no. production. Well, you'd have to vacate the entire building no, to no, turn no, off no, all the No, because you, just, you just darken them, you darken them in post. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Darken yeah. them in post, figure out a way to make it dark in post. Already, tons of the building is in shadow. And then if you have one office that you've lit, like with a big flash inside, yeah, yeah. and you you have like a CEO standing up against the glass. That would be cool. That'd be a crazy. That'd be really cool. Of course, it'd be like lots like, of planning oh, though. Lots of planning. Well, yeah. yeah, that's a nice picture of building you have. Yeah, and if you take a magnifying glass, you can see me standing right there on the 60th floor. Um, talk to me about this photo. This is another cloud cloud composite that you've yeah, got. Yeah. Uh, this also, I'm assuming, is from the helicopter or an helicopter. Not this a drone. one uh, was from a plane, okay. actually. So, a uh, fun fact about me: I was like halfway through the process of. I saw on your resume you said something about 47 hours in a Cessna or something. Yeah. So I ended up stopping just uh, for the money. It was kind of expensive. The time. uh, And, you know, once I went to college, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to keep this up. So for this, I reached out to a young pilot. I think he was 17 when I went. Maybe he's older now. 
and uh, we flew out of the same airport, so I had that connection. I just asked him, hey, you want to take me up? Now, so, just a quick note on that. Is it – I love flying, mm-hmm. and I, I've always wanted to get my pilot's license, but is there a party that's like – do I trust a 17-year-old pilot? Or you also being young, having gone through it, you're like, I kind of understand what they're going through. So I, I, I know that everything's kind of on lock, so to speak. Or Because so, I hear 17-year-old pilot. I'm like, I want you to have 17 years of experience. Yeah, let alone yeah. be 17 years old. Yeah, I mean, my mother wasn't too happy about it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but going through it, yeah, I I wasn't scared. Uh, I, I trusted the kid, you know. Um, but I don't know if I trust the old airplanes. One of the reasons I stopped to uh, is because there are a lot of small plane accidents. Things just happen, um, and and a lot of people do die. I don't know what the the ratio is compared to like car crashes, um, but it is scary because you could have a maintenance issue and yeah. and then you go down. That, so. I've always kind of thought if I if I'm ever going to buy a plane or just you know sort of become a group owner of a plane. I want to make sure I've got the money to have the best hangar and the absolute best maintenance because without the absolute best maintenance I can get, I don't want the plane because I don't want an engine or that wire snapping or just the landing gear not coming. Just, you know, it's that little thing that just sends you off the deep end and that it's like, uh, yep, my my life's over. Well, that was fun while it lasted. And it's just kind of like I would would love to have the plane, but I would go through hell and high water to make sure I had a good – good maintenance crew mm-hmm. keeping everything on lock. Yeah, and if you're the one checking it, you can be sure. So it, Yeah, as long as I know what I'm looking at. You know, it, that's yeah, that's yeah. the other part. Is um, So and last but not least, this was one of the photos. Well, I, I want to mention one more oh, okay. thing. All right, never mind. So, Get back sorry. to what you Like I said about. Uh, about the other one with, with Moodygrams, with Instagram, yeah. uh, really how I've built a following is these feature accounts yeah. that share it. Yeah, and then um, people come from, from these other places. So it's always really exciting. Um, you know, when you see that notification many, on your just, If you don't mind me asking, how many followers do you think you get? Like when Moody Grams gives you a shout out, do you notice like, oh, an uptick of I got a thousand followers in 24 hours? Yeah. Or? So it's, it depends. Sometimes it depends on the image. Like if it, uh, if it really resonates. Well, sometimes I'll post an image that is foreign to my feed. So people will see the image and it's great. They go to my feed and they're like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of street photography and I wanted the, you know, whatever it is. There was one notable one with Philly love notes that was just like a freak thing where I remember I was sitting in class and I checked my phone and it was like 200 new followers. And then I checked an hour later, it was like 500 more. So I think it was a thousand and in 24 hours, like you wow. said, something like that. But it's not always that. But with this photo, this was featured on Passion Passport. Okay. Um, and that was really awesome for me because they're more professional about it. They emailed me and they asked for a little story to go along with it. I think they post it on a blog as well. Whereas the Moodygrams one, it's like out of the blue. They just yeah, take your photo. And, yeah, which, I mean, I appreciate that yeah. too. But so this this image too just has a special place in my heart. <laughs> uh and it, and it was featured on another on a Facebook page called like Historic Pictures of Philadelphia. It's not historic, but you give it um, time. So that too, a lot of like Facebook people came over to Instagram. Cool. So, so now I cool. imagine walking into your parents' house, it's like they just have Chris's pictures all over the wall. There's like this is the Chris wall. There's thirty five of his photos. on Yeah. This wall. So fun fact, uh, I hate it. <laughs> um, so with with this new place, I just moved into a new apartment, which we're we're in right now. If right. if you're uh, on YouTube, um, and I want to fill Beautiful. it with 
I went, oh, thank you, thank you. And and I designed it as well. I did the layout, so I can take I can I can <laughs> take accept extra credit. that. Yeah. So I want to fill my walls with other photographers that uh, I really really aspire to to be like. And I think that when you're looking at your own work, it only holds you back because you know you've been there, you've already done that, you already took that shot. So what are you learning from it? Yeah. Um, so I want to be seeing things that that actively like make me want to go shoot and produce new things and like try to get to the same level. So I, I just bought a print from uh, at dark site. I think it's dark period site. Uh, he's a photographer in Chicago. I think he's based and he has stuff in Boston, but I, I bought an image from Chicago. Uh, this guy, Alex, um, he's on Instagram, but he, um, I feel like he's mainly like his, his website's just incredible. Um, and he does concert photography, videography, uh, I bought one of his prints. It's downstairs right now. Still need a frame. He's uh, at Xander on Instagram. I think it's Z-N-X-D dot R. Okay. So uh, definitely check him out. So, yeah, I don't like being around my own work. Uh, yeah, no, I don't blame you. What, your parents have a lot of it in the house or no? So there was one They're ashamed thing, of you. Yeah, my they dad. none of your pictures around. Uh, my dad works for uh, our church. He's one of the worship leaders there. And we have this auxiliary space uh, that has a nice brick wall like this one. And they always have art uh, on display. So he ordered a bunch of canvases and he wanted to show them there. And then it fell through. Uh, the pastor was like, these are a little bit too like cloudy for, or like too dramatic. For It just didn't fit like kind of right. the mission of the church, which I, I didn't stop him. You know, if he was going to spend the money to, uh, right. to buy all these big prints, you know, yeah, I want to see like, him. Dad, I think you need two of each one actually. Yeah. So, so then, uh, we had to find places for him. So all these big 30 by 40 canvases wow. are in my house. I should wow. really sell those, uh, but I, I haven't. Back to your point about seeing other artists work, I 100% feel you because mm-hmm. that's something where I used to want to keep a lot of my own pictures around. I literally had a room in my house that probably had 100 of my pictures on all the walls, like all four walls. They were just yeah. covered. And then finally one day I just pulled them all down just like in a fit of rage. Not like, yeah. you know, I wasn't like, oh, I hate this stuff. Uh-huh. But it was just kind of like I want to start showing stuff that's not me. Like I don't – I know what went into all these pictures. I was there to take the picture. I retouched it. I printed it the whole bit. Mm-hmm. I want something that's somebody else. I'm back and look at it and be like, yeah, that's – that's that's really really nice work from photography to painting to other stuff and i'm finally i don't know if it's just a maturity or something but it's something where specifically in the last couple of years i've been like i want to show other people's stuff not just my own stuff like in my own space if other people want to look at my stuff hey that's great i'm totally flattered by that mm-hmm. but certainly for my own space i want to i want to buy other people's work and, and then support the artists but also just show other people's you know work where right? I turn around and I can be in awe by it. Like you, like you said, the city's magical to you when you're not around it all the time. I feel like there's that that feeling of magicalness when you don't know how a photo or a painting or an image is made. Where you're just turning, you look, and you're like, man, that's really good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, anyway. there's a mystery to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this photo, this was one of the photos that I looked at that I was finally like, all right, the jig is up. You know, mm-hmm. these these are photoshopped. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And it was, I think this is a more recent photo, uh-huh. um, but, uh, but even before, I mean, I knew before that, but this one in particular was kind of like, if ever there was a doubt now, there is no doubt. It's, it's a great photo. Uh-huh. Um, but I know you do a lot of stuff on Comcast too, which is kind of the focal point of this, uh, of this shot, or you've done stuff on Comcast too, I should say, where, where did, where were you when you took the shot? This, yeah. Some people thought this was a rooftop. Which is it's kind of believable because it is like in that height range. But this was from the helicopter. Oh, okay, this is a well. chopper shot as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. and this was one that's questionably 
blurry, like from uh, that issue I said with, with no with the settings. I was shooting oh for focus. Too yeah. short. Okay, because see, I thought it, I could tell it looked soft on Instagram. Yeah, but this is one where I was like. Man, why is he going to wreck a good photo by sliding backward on the clarity slide? I'm a very judgmental person. Yeah, okay. And I, whenever I'm looking at something, no, I'm you like, need strong ah, opinions. why did they, why did they, I would have done it this way. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, but I didn't take the picture. So shut up and deal with it. Yeah. Else. So yeah, in this print, this is a little bit bigger than Instagram. You can definitely see it. And that to some extent it's might be low, the resolution. low quality yeah, printer as well. But, but it's definitely soft. And it, this is what inspired me to like upgrade my gear. I don't want to miss out on, on moments like this. Uh, and I want to just be more serious about taking photos uh, that can be reproduced, that I'm super happy with the quality and, and everything about them, uh, as opposed sometimes I just shoot for Instagram. And that's a really dangerous habit because then you're cropping heavily. Um, you're just not really caring as much about focus because your end result is this tiny little uh, image on Instagram. Yeah. Well, the scariest part, too, is just when Instagram goes away someday. Yeah. Then it's like, where's all my stuff gone? Whereas if you're shooting for prints, Instagram's here today, gone tomorrow, but prints live forever mm-hmm. in theory, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And also with Instagram is the, the vertical orientation. Um, anyone starting out on Instagram might not know it yet or realize it, but I would say like 99% of like the, the serious Instagram photographers are cropping full four by five uh, portrait orientation right. and and shooting when, with a different camera oh 100 yeah. yeah i don't know if that's obvious maybe some people well, think it's all it should be phone. obvious but it yeah. should be yeah no there's definitely for those of you that are not aware yeah it uh, but I, it's it's really unfortunate because i used to love the landscape orientation uh it's just more cinematic um i like how you can get more in the frame that way so i used to always shoot landscape that's really what i i like deep down but then instagram has Developed this bad habit of only shooting uh, vertical orientation. And you're talking, so not just the one by one. There's a one that's slightly taller than wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, one by one is a little bit basic. You should always go the tall (laughs) four by five. Cover as much screen as you can. That's what it's about. Yeah, you want to get as much real estate in there. If you post, like like I've seen some cinematic videos. I don't know what the cinematic ratio is. Two, three, nine to one or something yeah, like that. It's, it's but right around narrower there. than 16 by nine. Yeah, yeah. It's and, really wide. And it's like thin. this tiny little sliver yeah. on your screen for Instagram. It, it just doesn't It's hard. Work. It does kind of put you between a rock and a hard place because there's something about that cinematic look that if you take it away, all of a sudden you're like, it's a nice shot, but I don't hook it to that really cinematic look in my mind. That's one of the things when I shot Philly is Ugly that we were talking about before off camera. I shot it all standard four by five, but I artificially cropped it down because it was like, no, this has to be cinematic crop. So I was shooting everything knowing that, all right, the head and the tail, the top and bottom of every shot is going to be hacked right off. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. And I think actually for the three ones that I was shooting it, I literally put masking tape across my viewfinder on both on the viewfinder and on just the back of my camera, the screen. So I could see the shots as they came through and made sure I had everything lined up where it needed to be. So I went like all out to try to, to try to get that and commit to that. Yeah. I went, uh, even the opposite. I have done a couple videos. Verticals. Right? I've done vertical videos. Yeah. yeah. And luckily time lapses, you can easily crop because of, you know, the resolution of, of raw images. Yeah. But I, I'm conflicted with that because it's, if I ever want to share these on my website or on uh, YouTube or whatever it may be, a four by nine vertical crop is the stupidest thing. Well, right now it is, but you never know. Like that's the thing. You don't know where it's heading in the future. Like I, 
I've heard people talk about shooting specifically, like flipping your DSLR even on its side and shooting sideward because it's like, hey, well, I'm shooting it for my Instagram story. Yeah, yeah. And I can't argue with it because, yeah, it seems dumb now, and there's been this crusade against vertical video, which I say rightly so. But it's just getting to the point where a lot of these platforms are supporting vertical video, and what's it going to be in the future? I mean if people – people don't always conform to technology. Oftentimes technology and innovation has to conform to people's habits. And if, if everybody's going to keep shooting vertical orientation stuff, if somebody's going to come out with a platform where vertical orientation is is where it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, gonna, it's hard for us to envision it now, but like we couldn't envision the iPhone before it was a thing either. Everything's impossible till it's done. Yeah, that really gets to kind of a deep issue of like this era of art and production being dominated by vertical composition because – a phone ergonomically works as a yeah. vertical medium. And then that shapes like, you know, our culture and all the media that we're consuming and producing. Right. Well, and, and it's interesting. It, you know? it goes to your point of, am I make, am I making the artwork and shaping it this way to share it? Or is this like, this isn't probably how I would have created the artwork. Mm-hmm. Right. But then again, if Da Vinci paints a 36 by 24 inch canvas, why didn't he make it 37 by 42? Well, because he had a 36 by 24 canvas. Yeah. So sometimes if the medium restricts you, why do you use oil paint and not watercolor? Well, because he had oil paints that day. That's what he wanted to use. So he was limited by that. So I, I, I find that to be an interesting kind of – maybe you call it a conundrum, but it's, it's like an interesting restriction, limitation on the creative process that I don't, I don't necessarily even look at it as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I look at it like as an artist – I can still create what I want to create and work within the confines of the restriction that I'm given. Yeah, you need to work with it. And but, if you want if you want to recreate an entire VR world at this point in theory, you can do that too. Yeah. It's just not many people are going to be able to see it. I think an important thing nowadays is to make your work physical, bring it out of the digital realm. Whole different ball game when yeah, you see work Yeah, yeah, so I love printing images. I think you learn so much. You you are a lot more careful with your editing, uh, with your retouching, because you know you're going to see these details uh, really big. And for printing or, or art in the real world, I think the horizontal composition isn't going anywhere. Like yeah. on any wall, it's it but, works but, a lot but, better. But there's also the vertical. There's the portrait orientation that's been around for yeah. thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's that's what's kind of interesting to me about the whole thing is why do we why are why do we get hung up on horizontal video as opposed to vertical video when there's nothing against a horizontal photo is it just because every screen we have is wider than it is tall what happened you know dell has monitored or a lot of manufacturers have monitors that rotate up yeah. and you can you know flip them right up so what happens when people start using monitors like that it looks funky to me now but you kidding me my great grandfather if he saw me looking at an iphone he'd be like what are you doing mm-hmm. you little whip a snapper you know what i mean mm-hmm. i know it, it's yeah, it, it, everything looks crazy until it it's not everything sounds crazy until it's not coca-cola would sound like the dumbest statement in the world if it wasn't for the fact that there's this whole company and brand behind it as well mcdonald's are you kidding me mcdonald's <laughs> like what if you just like totally take that word into the abstract it yeah. sounds crazy but it's a billions and billions and billions of dollar brand yeah so it's, it's their marketing uh paying it's, off it's, it's kind of <laughs> wild all right man we're probably gonna wrap this thing up yeah. um i appreciate you coming out here and being a part of it it's been a lot of fun yeah thanks and for uh, kicking this thing up kicking this thing off strong awesome <laughs> all right everybody we'll see you in the next one Hey, before you go, thanks for checking out my podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe to the show using your Apple Podcasts app. While you're there, I would love it if you would give this podcast an honest review. The ratings and reviews are really cool to see. 
If you don't think the show is worth five stars, well, let's just pretend it is. Don't forget, new podcasts arrive every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an occasional surprise show on Tuesdays. Until next time, this was the Dodcast.